Hi, this is Dr. MJ coming to you from beautiful Boston, Massachusetts. This is the Women in Dentistry podcast where we feature women in dentistry making waves and leading the industry through the next decade. I am your host, Dr. Mary Jane Hanlon, a former dental assistant, dental hygienist, and now dentist. I'm very pleased to introduce you today to Ms. Corinne Jameson Keel. Corinne has been involved in the business of dentistry for over 20 years. She is an experienced dental business owner with a background experiences as a private practice clinician, practice development administrator, and previous dental staff and company founder and owner. Corinne's professional interests include writing articles and presenting continuing education to dental audiences across the nation. She's the regional coordinator for the Oral Cancer Foundation and was the 2016 recipient of the Sunstar Butler Award of Distinction. Her professional memberships include ADA, ADHA, Seattle Study Club, ADOM, and AADH. Along with business and dental education, Corinne holds numerous human resource certifications, including DISC, Driving Forces, and Emotional Intelligence to better ensure employment success. Corinne and her team at Custom Dental Solutions provides hands-on practical business development and proven solutions to owners of small businesses, focusing mainly on private practice dental offices. It brings her great reward to see her clients navigate changes successfully in their personal and professional lives. It is now my pleasure to bring you to my interview with Ms. Corinne Jameson Keel. Corey, I'm so excited to have you on the show today. I know it's taken us a couple of times to get ourselves together here, but I'm really excited that we we finally made it happen today. And I can't wait to introduce you to the audience. So without any further ado, if you could just start talking about how you got into dentistry, we would love that. Oh, thank you. I know I'm excited to finally be with you too. Um, we were meant to be finally to, to meet and to actually have this conversation. So for whatever reason, today is the day and it's the right time and the right subject matter. So thank you for the introduction. My name is Corrine Jamison Keel. I go by Corey. And I've been in dentistry for about 27 years now. And I started my journey like many young people do and explored dental assisting and then worked for an amazing mentor dentist who said, you should probably go on to dental school. So I, I did uh, apply to the Marquette University Dental Hygiene Program, and I got my undergrad degree there and really fell in love with the business of dentistry at a very early time in my career. It was kind of a time where dental service organizations were just coming on the scene and working as a replacement dental assistant to put myself through school, I noticed a philosophy difference between private practice ownership and these new conglomerates that were kind of coming together, i.e. corporate dentistry. And I realized quickly that my best fit was more in the private sector. I really enjoyed the thought of people being able to own their own business and to be able to function in that way, the way that they wanted to treat patients and whatever philosophy of care they wanted to provide, they could do that. And whatever specialty they wanted to provide, they could do that. So I really started gearing myself towards a preparation for being in that industry. Um, I went into business school shortly after that and have, have done many different things with human resources and several certifications and things with that, because we know if we don't have the right people 
we can't make our businesses go forward. We can't have successful business. So if we're going to continue that private practice dental business model, we have to have an excellent team to support us. So I really keep my emphasis as the owner of Custom Dental Solutions on that portion of what we do. And especially now, and I'm sure you can attest to this too, so many of our new dental graduates, they want to be owners. They're, they're, the, the tide is kind of coming back around compared to 20 plus years ago when I was in that phase. A lot of people are thinking, hmm, I love being a dentist. I want to kind of do it on my own terms. And I want to come out into the workplace. And there are plenty of, of baby boomers that are looking to retire. So their practices are for sale. And our young owners can have a whole mix of, of opportunities, which is really exciting. And they have this great choice right now to decide what they want to do. And many are choosing that um, ownership route. And they're doing that um, really in a very fulfilling way by picking the right you know, environment for what their, their needs are in their own personal life or what their professional goals are. So that's really what I'm doing right now in my career is assisting those transitional dentists, not transition in the sense of we don't do any of the brokering or any of that type of thing, but transitioning them from either dental school or perhaps working somewhere else previous to purchase, and then kind of coming into, wow, now I have employees. Whoa, now I have all these expenses. How do I navigate between my business solutions? Do I really want the same administrative team that the previous owner had, or do I need to make a change there? How do I evaluate that? So a lot of critical thinking and a lot of critical decision-making processes to set them up for success so that they're going home at the end of their day and feeling very accomplished and very fulfilled. Mm -hmm. So that is what I do now. And I have a background again in, in many dental businesses. I've owned a dental staffing company and I've done a lot of different things, but this to me is the most fulfilling because it's so fun to see our clients, which 90% are female. So with 90% of our clients being female, it is really fulfilling to work with them and get to know them not only on a professional level, but on a personal level as to how they want to grow in the rest of their life. Because one thing about this generation is they want more than just a nine to five job. They don't want that. They want to bond with their team. They want to have hours that are acceptable to maybe their family choices that they make. And I'm of the belief that you can have it all. You can have a wonderful family life and have a wonderful, fulfilling business life as well. I totally agree. And, you know, early on when I started my practice from scratch, I made the decision, like we were talking earlier about skating, I made the decision to work three days a week, Monday through Wednesday, uh, because we traveled all weekend long for skating competitions. So, you know, most times I had to leave Thursday morning and go off with my daughter wherever she was skating and be uh, gone for the weekend. So it worked out perfectly for me. So the schedule for me worked out perfectly. And yeah, I could have gotten associates to come in and work those other days, but I, I quite honestly did not want the headache. I had a small group practice, a small practice, and, you know, it was general dentistry and it was perfect for me. I didn't want it to be much bigger than it was. And so I, I feel like having and owning your own practice allows you to set the, the, the floor plan and the game plan right from the very beginning. 
And I loved being able to make those decisions. Yeah. I think it's so empowering too, for, for female entrepreneurs to be able to have that too, because dentistry, if it's done well and done right, it is lucrative enough that you can work three days a week and still live the life that you want and still pay back your student loans and still, you know, do well with the practice perhaps that you've purchased that you have to, you know, obviously will you'll be in debt for a while on or what's kind of happening now a lot too, is we have some great entrepreneurs that are starting there from scratch practices. And in some financial cases, it makes a heck of a lot more sense to do that than to buy an old crusty practice that the value is maybe gone. And so that's been really fun to see some of those too, some amazing, we have some really amazing clients that are young, younger female entrepreneurs with maybe a couple children and the means to do so where they just build from scratch and they're really successful and they work the schedule they want. And they also incorporate looking for the right types of patients to that meet that same philosophy need to versus gunning, being open six days a week, letting the patients kind of control or run, run the table, so to speak. And so some of those types of strategies we put in place when we work with them through our company, Custom Dental Solutions, we help them put those strategies in place so that they can achieve both that lifestyle and that professional return on investment that they're looking for as well. So yeah, I think it's a great, exciting time to be in dentistry right now. I love that we still have the privilege of serving patients in this manner through private practice and patients love it too. They love choice. You know, I think COVID showed that. You know, and and it really has not diminished, has it, with COVID? And I think that we we all can be as busy as we want to be. Um, certainly, we can't do 100% capacity like we did before because physically we just can't do that. But you know, it will turn around. It will come back. You know, I I started dental hygiene right as the AIDS epidemic was hitting hard. And, you know, we had to transition right then. The first time I ever wore a pair of gloves was my last patient in hygiene school when I was doing, oh my gosh, full multibridement. One of those cases where the, the lower anteriors just pulled out with the bridge of calculus. Oh my gosh. Of course, there's no bleeding. And, and I, I was absolutely horrified. Right. All hand scale probably too. <laughs> yeah, but you know, it's that was the only time I ever wore gloves in hygiene school. And then immediately after I graduated, the dentist that I was working for said, you need to start wearing gloves. He said, I'm going to be wearing gloves. You know, everybody should be wearing gloves. And, and that's when I started to make the transition. So, you know, I think it's this too shall pass, right? Absolutely. This too shall pass. So you went to business school. Did you get your MBA? No, I don't have my MBA. Not yet. But you did human resources? Yes, yes. So I have several certificates in that. I also did the Human Resources Institute because I had this knack for being able to find the right team members for my doctors. And so I started that when I did a staffing, I, I owned a staffing company um, for about 10 years. And at the time I just had, I think a lot of really great luck too. But part of it was I got introduced more to like personality assessments and being able to benchmark for certain qualities and things like that, which was a huge game changer in the sense of being able to say to my doctor, 
who do you want to work for you? Let's find that person. Let's not just throw in hot bodies and see what happens. Let's not take this to chance. So it's been a really great journey to do that after selling that staffing company and then going full-time into consulting about seven years ago. It's really been fun to see these offices say, well, I know you've taught me we're benchmarking for who we're looking for. We're not going to just hire just anybody. And so it's, you know, especially now, because not only COVID has changed our world, it's really changed our employment climate too. And so it's challenging and it takes a little bit longer than I've ever seen it take before in dentistry to find those really good fits. A couple of reasons. We have hygienists who are fired up that don't want to come back to work. And that's a whole probably different podcast episode. <laughs> and then we have people that are concerned about coming back to work because maybe they have children at home and, and it just isn't working out for them. You know, it's not something where they're not looking to come back to work for you. They just simply don't have the logistics to do so. So we have all a host of different things going on right now that are very, very stressful. And so trying to find those right fits for, for dental practices during that this time and even previous, we're starting to get challenging. I really encourage owners, though, to be really open-minded to training non-dental people. So really benchmarking for that personality that you want to work with, that you know may move the needle in your business. Don't get so caught up on the fact that this person has no dental experience. I was just in a conversation with one of my owners before we started our conversation. And she's looking for a new dental assistant, a new chairside dental assistant. Her current dental assistant wants to retire. So she's leaving on good terms, but has had some health problems. And with COVID, she just she doesn't wanna be there anymore. And it's okay, it's time. So we had two resumes come through after posting an ad for a week. That's pretty, pretty slim pickings. This morning, something came through and it was somebody who wants to be a dental assistant and doesn't have the background. And in her particular state, you don't have to be certified. So we could train on the job in that particular state. So I sent her a text and I said, what do you think about this? Can I go ahead and do a phone screen and let's see if she fits some of our benchmarks? And doctor said, she doesn't have any dental experience. I'm not interested. Okay. And that's her choice, but, but, but <laughs> where are we going? We have Three people. <laughs> that was the best time a dental assistant I ever had was somebody that I trained from scratch. Because what the one thing that makes them different is they have a passion. They want to do this. And so then they, they're like sponges. They absorb everything you say, everything you do. And by, I think, six weeks in, she was phenomenal. Oh, that's awesome. Absolutely phenomenal. Um, and seven years later, uh, I remember her saying, you know, she would stand beside me and look at color. She has a tremendous eye for color. And she would say, mm, let's go up one more. And 99.9% .9 of the time she was spot on because the crown would come back and be perfect. Oh, that's such an awesome story. Yeah. So share that with your, your doctor, tell her that, you know, the one nice thing about training somebody from scratch is that they do everything exactly like you show. Yeah, that's right. I'm a little biased to that as well, because I was a little 19 year old punk with a ponytail stuck on top of my head. When I came back from the university of Minnesota over my 
Christmas break and had my teeth cleaned and my, my dentist who I thought looked like Tom Selleck, he was just so cute. If he's ever listening, I hope he doesn't blush too much, but he was such a great mentor, but he expert, I told him I was maybe interested in dentistry and he took me with nothing. I was completely green. And I think I was a pretty good dental assistant. And so I would echo your story as well, that you bring in somebody who's eager. You cannot train eagerness, you cannot train enthusiasm. I remember sitting on a step outside with him though, again, only completing one year of college at that time and uh, going back to school uh, the next year. And he said, um, let me tell you a little bit about the profession of dentistry. And he was such a kind person. And he kind of really very kindly and politely told me how to dress and how to have my hair. And it was not done in a way that was demeaning or it was teaching me. And again, this is the early nineties, so it's a while ago, but it was teaching me to take pride in this profession. Absolutely. What a wonderful human. Oh, and you know what? Anytime I have an opportunity like this, I always put his name out there because I have not seen him for years. I would love to reconnect. The last I had heard from my family is he had retired and moved out to Oregon and was living in the wilderness because that was his love of, of his, you know, he loved to do that anyway. But his name was Dr. David Mortensen in Gurney, Illinois. And he was such a great mentor to me that I'll never forget how graceful that was to teach me and teach me how to. He, you know, sounds cheesy now, but hey, Corey, read the People magazine so you know how to talk to people. And just some of those basic things that are 19 year olds today would be like, huh? you know, not, not clearly knowing and just nourishing that in me. And that's so valuable. Even today, you know, teaching our team how to communicate with patients, how to read the vibe of how patients are feeling, maybe what they want to talk about. It's not about you. You know, don't come into the treatment room and talk about you and your problems with COVID. They don't care. They're there to be nourished by us as providers and to be listened to and to be heard. And it is so valuable to think about that experience for me. And so I'm, I'm partial to training on the job in those states that you can do that with because they're such, especially if someone's taking the nerve to apply for a position they know nothing about, that to me already shows they have a personality style towards maybe self-starting or initiative, some of those qualities that are not always the easiest to find. So we'll see what happens. We'll see what happens. We might, we might end up pulling this resume out of the woods anyway. We'll see what my doctor thinks. <laughs> Hopefully you can turn her around. Hopefully you can turn her around. <laughs> uh, that's tr That's part of ownership though, is learning as you go. And sometimes they have to make those choices that might not be the best choice, and maybe hire the wrong person and three months later say, ooh, should I have done this instead? Yeah, you should have. Yeah, you should have. So the other, the other thing too is holding on to somebody too long that you should have gotten rid of. And somebody that knows the profession well can sometimes be the laziest employees. You know, I, I have had plenty of experience with that. And it was even my daughter who was... It's funny, you know, we were both getting our MBAs at the same time. And she said to me, mom, you got to get rid of so-and-so. And I said, what do you mean? She said, you've got to get rid of her. She is so ineffective. And, you know, this is not what you want when somebody comes into your office. And it took me months to do it because, of course, you feel bad as a woman. You know, she was going through a divorce, blah, blah, blah. But 
in hindsight's 2020, you know, she was not doing her job. There was so much insurance that was not submitted, so many forms that were not done that, yeah, I lost a lot of money because I wasn't paying attention. So um, good piece of advice to pass on. Yeah. And wouldn't you say, you know, in your gut too? Absolutely. I knew. Yeah. And I just felt too bad. Right. I it's, and so it's that, that guilt feeling that women feel right. And because we have to take care of everything. And especially when you're an owner doctor, you know, you go out of your way to make sure you're taking care of your team because it's important to you. It's like part of your family. Yes. But there are times when that family is not reciprocating the same kind of respect and work ethic that you are. And so you have to be able to make those decisions. And it's, it's not personal. It is business. I've learned that the hard way, obviously. And it, it just, if you don't learn it early on, you can make some major mistakes. Yes. I think one of the biggest areas I see this in is when I have a transition situation where our new owner has just taken on the team of the previous owner. And so we have a lot of seasoned employees many times at that place. And maybe that team has also kind of been on hold because doctors been slowing down and like nearing that retirement phase. So for, you know, maybe two or three years, maybe the hygiene schedule is not as full as it used to be, or maybe the administrators aren't, you know, calling like they used to, or they let the aging get a little behind or things like that. And there's not a lot of accountability because doctors seeing the light at the end of the tunnel, he's got this. He's not pushing. Right. He stops pushing or she stops pushing and says, ah, I've got this new, new owner taken over. And then what happens is our new excited, excited owner takes over and they have this team that oftentimes have, has, has paid more than they're probably worth. That's the other thing. Our new owners, they can't take on that financially. Whereas our seasoned owners, you know, they're at the end. They can give someone a dollar raise every six months if they want. Our new owners don't have that ability. They might not even have the ability to match the 401k plan that you put in place initially. And so I see it where the inefficiencies and the lack of effectiveness does turn into a laziness. And then it's hard because my new owners, again, many of them are females. And just to your point, they take it on and they feel bad. I've never had to fire someone before. I've never had to tell somebody that this just isn't working. Or um, I had one sweet young owner who would literally physically throw up every day before she went into her practice. She was met with a team who absolutely resisted everything she did. And I actually said to her, with your permission, I will release this entire team for you. I won't even have you do it for you. You're not, you're not even in a mental capacity where you can do that. It would have caused her so much turmoil. And I said, we'll bring in a new team. So I was granted that permission and we literally did that. I, she was literally physically ill every single day. And it really affected her practice. As soon as we released the disrespectful employees and truly to the worst I've ever seen and such terrible treatment towards her. They really picked on and bullied this poor new owner. And she brought in a new team within a couple months, production went up 60%. I mean, it was just outstanding. And this was about two years ago. And I just checked in with her not that long ago. And she is just so much happier. So they're expanding their practice. Uh, in two years. In two years. And that was getting rid of two hygienists that were, you know, 
in all due respect, had been with the practice older than my, my new owner had been alive. And so there was not going to be any respect for her. They viewed her as one of their children. Yeah. And it was just a very, very, very grave situation. And so I do think we know our guts and as women, we have to go with our gut, but we also have to say, we are not taking on the emotions of someone else. This is not our responsibility. My responsibility is to be a fair employer. I am here to treat people fairly and to be as excellent as I can be in my profession. Now, if that's not reciprocated, and again, you're keeping great records to document that this person may not be the right fit in your practice, you have to be at peace with letting them go. And unfortunately, there's sometimes there's the reality is there is reciprocation. That young doctor I just talked to you about, we had two lawsuits from it. They filed an unemployment wrongful release lawsuit. They didn't win because we documented all the inefficiencies. So, you know, what happens sometimes too, especially with women, we bottle it up. Mm -hmm. We bottle it up and all of a sudden then we explode and we fire somebody on the spot. And then you get this little, you know, rumor around dentistry is that doctor is a what? Ooh, she's a biatch, right? And it's like, no, that person's bottling it up and just kind of let it out. Whereas working through that emotional element of it, of, Hey, this is the reality, keeping it logic, logic over emotion. This, these employees perhaps aren't the right fit. They're not efficient, whatever the case might be, keeping that communication and, and calculating just like, just like we have a system when we do our crown preps, it's no different. Yep. Keeping the system when we're dealing with the HR of the practice, how is this person performing? How is this looking? What are we documenting? How is this all work coming together? And then communicating that versus letting it boil to the point where we're physically ill or we scream at everybody and then fire them. And I think everybody's made that mistake before too. But, um, it, you know, those are a few helpful tips of just, and staying in touch, listening to podcasts like this, staying in touch with other um, groups, society meetings, mixing with other colleagues really help to kind of make you feel like you're not on that island, you know? And you're not doing it by yourself, that everybody else has similar problems. Yeah. I remember at one point being in private practice and thinking, oh my gosh, if I just didn't have employees, this is before I had my stellar team. If I just didn't have to have employees, I, I, it would be so perfect. <laughs> But you have to, you know, you, you have to have that support. It's not, dentistry is not a, a singles game. It isn't. You have to have a team. You have to have the support. You can only be as good as your team is. And so if your team is not meeting you to the level that you want to be at, you're never going to get there. So your team has to be reflective of you and what you want to pursue. Absolutely. Absolutely. And expressing that right from the beginning the expectations. Yeah, absolutely. So what do you think is the single best piece of advice you've ever gotten? Ooh, that is an excellent question. So I think the best advice I ever got was from my father, who is a pretty straight shooter. And it was during a time where a decision was made in my life. Um, I'll I was divorced. I'll give the decision. I was, I was going through divorce and it was unexpected and I felt really terrible about it. And I remember my dad just being as simple as plain could be. And he said, you're going to be old news tomorrow. So why do you care? 
And it is as blase as it sounds, there's always a juicier story. (laughs) There's always something else. And so as cheesy as it sounds, I have really taken that over so many years to say, you're old news. So when you have a really rough day and you really think like, you know, oh, woe is me. The stars are falling. Nothing's coming in my favor. Oh, every patient's canceling everything. Tomorrow's a new day. And that day is old news. That day is old news. So that, that to me is the best advice I think I've ever gotten. And that's an awesome piece of advice because why look back? It is old news and it's behind you. And all you have is, is free road, open road in front of you. Yes. Oh my gosh. Great, great advice. Yes. Thank you. Awesome. Now, who do you think has made the biggest impact on your life? So I would have to say uh, professionally, I've had two dentist mentors and the one I'd mentioned previous when I was a young punk. And then the other one uh, passed away a few years ago. His name was Dr. Kevin Kuffel. And it was my first practice outside of dental hygiene school. And you graduate and you really think your shoes don't stink. You're the best thing since sliced bread. And he had, again, such a kind way of letting me know that my shoes really did stink and uh, (laughs) was such a great mentor for me that when I left his practice, because I only practiced privately for two years and then started my dental staffing company. And we left on such positive terms. He was so supportive of me moving on and starting the business and was excited. And we just kept in touch through all those times. And it was somebody I could definitely call and talk to any time where I would say, I can't reach this particular doctor. Like I'm not getting through to them. How can you help me? And he'd say, well, you know how doctors think. And he'd go through all these different things, but he exposed me to so many different possibilities outside of the traditional dental education that I think of him as a true professional impact. Mm -hmm. And he passed away much too early, unfortunately. But, um, you know, that's why you live your life to the fullest now. You live as much as you can. So I would definitely call him that. And I would say as far as my personal impact, I would have to say my parents, again, just amazing people, very supportive. Both have had health problems that they've really overcome and are constantly grateful. And there's one thing that I tell my kids, and I told the one this morning, gratefulness and negativity can never inhabit the same space. And I learned that from my parents. You know, what is the point of being down or being negative? Gratefulness is really the joy of life and being reflected upon that gratefulness that we have to be a business owner. I I, I think about that all the time. I am so, dentistry is such a blessing. What a great career to be in. Really, no matter what part you're in, it is an amazing, amazing opportunity. It's a great career. So, you know, you, you speak so, so succinctly about something I am extremely passionate about, and that's mindset. And being grateful produces an abundance mindset. And so you do get abundance because the more you are grateful for the things that you have, the more it comes to you. And I do believe that there's an energy associated with that, that there's an energy that is associated with gratefulness going out into the world, and that just gets reciprocated back to you. And so in the flip side, you know, we think negatively and we think in really nasty, evil, emotional terms, 
And that's what goes out. And quite honestly, what comes back to you is accidents, getting hurt, you know, doing things that having things happen to you that are, are unexplainable sometimes, but it's because you put it out there. It's like a boomerang it comes right back at you. That is so true. This morning in my reflection, I had to think about this for a minute. It said, what you focus on will be there. And you think about it. Okay. If I'm going to focus on this negative loop of how much I don't like this person or how much I don't like this situation, it's going to just keep. But what if we focused on the fact that, yep, stuff is going on, but I'm going to see the good either in that person. Exactly. Or I'm going to see the good in the situation or perhaps ask for clarity in whatever space that is to maybe, cause at times we do need to move on from people and the situations as we were just talking about previously, but letting that just soak our energy. I try to teach my 14 year old that at such a young age, I wish I would have had these concepts at that point of life. Don't soak on, don't regulate through others. Don't take on other people's emotions. You are in control of your own emotions and it's not worth giving our power either to somebody else. It's not, it's not. And if you have to step back and take a minute to, to wait for a response that for me, and if, you know, a lot of us in dentistry, we're quick paced people, right? We have, we have to keep a schedule. We have to see the next patient or we're looking at production or whatever. So we're quick paced and fast paced in our personality styles. Sometimes it's okay to hang out in the middle and not be all or nothing all the time. It's not gas pedal all the time. Sometimes it, it doesn't need, we don't need a response right away. What can we do by hanging out in the middle? And, and that's something that really challenges me because I am gas pedal. Most of the time, yeah. Right. And most of us are in dentistry because we're on these mm -hmm. huge commitments to getting things done and seeing patients and whatever. But what if we just hang, hang, hung out in the middle a little bit? There's nothing wrong with that. Not at all. Not at all. Have you had any obstacles that you've had to overcome that you're really proud of? I think the biggest thing for me is I was a single parent unexpectedly when my daughter was about nine months old. Wow. And I owned a business at the time. And we, I'm really, really, really proud of the fact that we lived in an area where we didn't have family support. And Dentistry, again, is such an amazing profession. I would bring that little squirt to dental offices. And do you know, in the dozens of dental offices that I would go to, I never had a single dental office tell me, oh, no, don't bring your kid or what. I mean, it's just not that st style. And I'm so I'm really proud of the obstacle, I guess we can call it that, to answer your question, of being a single parent, raising a child and working full time clinically and making it work. And sometimes I get a little sensitive to women who whine, maybe let's use it that way, about not being able to do something. And I think, man, I remember taking Brooke, even calling a dental office. There's not, I can come help you out with your hygiene today, but I'm gonna have to bring my three-year-old. Sure. Bring her. She'll sit in the back and watch a movie. There you go. And that's dentistry, family, family focused, We'll take you, we'll, we'll do whatever. And so I, I think that's an obstacle I'm proud of overcoming, but I want to say that to encourage people too. If you have a situation like that, don't be afraid to ask, can I bring a kid along or can I do something a little alternative? 
Because again, in this industry, very relational, very family focused dental people are, we will make it work for you. So you're capable and able to work. So I would have to say that's one I'm, I'm incredibly proud of. Absolutely, positively. That's an amazing story and such good insight for, for others. You know, it's not easy. It's not easy being a mom, being married, but it's certainly not easy being a single mom with a baby and, and having to work full time. So kudos to you for overcoming that because that took a lot of perseverance. I, I am absolutely sure of that. Now, you appear to me to be extremely confident. Now, have you always been that way or is it something that you've gained uh, through the years? Ooh, good question. So a lot of my studies with personality is our personality is generally formed by 13 or 14 years old. And I would have to say I was an incredibly shy child. And I don't know why I'm the oldest of four. My parents, my father is a minister. My mom is a teacher. So we were around people on a very regular basis. And I would say I really came out of my shell during that personality formative years. And um, yes, I would say from then on, very confident. In fact, maybe to a fault. It wasn't always welcomed in high school. Um, I would say, in fact, sharing with my daughter now, some of the stories make me kind of laugh because I think, again, as women, we're, if we desire leadership, or we desire to implement a really cool idea with the cheerleading club or, you know, our book club or whatever, it can be like, oh, well, who do you think you are, have, you know, having <laughs> this idea or this goal. And so I do want to encourage anybody who maybe was like me, who is very confident and excited about life and new ideas, keep doing that Absolutely. and encourage your, your children to do the same because there's a difference between men doing that males doing that. They're looked at as these great leaders and they're going to be a CFO or a CEO, but women doing that can be looked at as bossy. Oh, she's a bossy little girl. Encourage that. So I would love for society to change their mindset on that because there is a difference between being confident in your leadership abilities and growing it. Even if it's not natural for you, leadership comes in many styles, mm -hmm. Many styles. Some people are a little bit out there like I am. I'm going to tell you what I think. Some people are, they're more processing. Some of our leaders are more, they're going to process the information. Their leadership's going to come out in a different way. Regardless of how you are, I would encourage everybody to not, to not, um, not be confident. Be confident in what you've done. You're bright and brilliant. Absolutely. Oh my gosh. You know, that's the one thing that I think that, that, young women in dentistry suffer from the most is a lack of confidence in their ability. And if they only knew how spectacular they really were, if they just would allow themselves to just get rid of the, you know, I call them mo and schmo, right? Um, that, that voice inside our head that keeps telling us, well, you're not good enough and, and you're not smart enough and, and you can't do this because you didn't do that. And oh my gosh, it goes on and on and on. And it's forever just running circles around us. And, you know, that monkey brain, I guess that's the, the technical term for it in, in you know, uh, wellness and, and the wellness industry is that, you know, we, we don't have to listen to it. You know, it can come alongside us and travel with us day by day. But if you don't give it the energy that it's looking for, it will just go away and start to diminish. And then your confidence can really shine. Yes. And I would encourage to your listeners, 
another thing. Not only is that inner peace for yourself and your, your doing, but I find a lot, and I had this in my female dentist group this morning. If anybody wants to join, you can find me. It's kind of private, but we'll take more people. It's getting the gremlins sometimes in our spouse and in other areas outside of that too. So this particular group, and I think they'd be comfortable with me sharing because we did meet this morning via Zoom. They're married to very successful men. And they look at them as dentists and say, oh, you're a dentist. I'm a anesthesiologist. I'm a dermatologist. I'm a, uh, you know, I own this particular industry or this business or I'm the fire captain or whatever. And then sometimes there's a, there's an issue with ego or there's an issue with other things. And so I find in this, this particular group that we're meeting to have, it's to combat the gremlins of the spouse that we love, but to let them know like, Hey, we're proud of you that you're doing this, but I need the support too. Cause I'm, I'm a dentist and I'm an owner and I'm just as important as you are in the family or I'm just as important as you are in the space of entrepreneurship. We have several in the group where their spouse is a business owner also. And so it's, it's something where it's not just us sometimes. It's, it's that spousal relationship or partnership where we're working on, hey, I'm not gonna let this person make me feel inferior or because I'm the female and the kids are sick, I'm the one that has to stay home. So I do think that it, some males get very threatened by our success. And there's not a lot of men, you know, like even more so in, in my age bracket who grew up with moms or examples in their lives of successful women. Now, my dad was, he was, his father passed away at 14. And so his mother had to go to work right away. And so in, in his mind, all of his girls were going to go to college. All of his girls were going to be independent and not going to be dependent on a man because of what he lived through. So, you know, he was definitely ahead of his time, but he also showed that to my brother and my brothers. And so, you know, quite honestly, it's, it's a great thing when to see that the younger generation is coming up with more, more spouses that understand that we are equal. We're not, you know, and you're not superior over what I'm doing. Yes. And that, that's a great point. I know my, my youngest brother, he's 13 years younger than me and they, him and his wife have four children and they're under the age of seven. So they're, they're in a very busy stage of life right now. And my brother was a very successful entrepreneur and um, sold the business, ironically, before COVID, which was probably a very smart move on his end. And his wife is, a, is a, an ER charge nurse. And so they made the decision that he would stay home with their children during this time, and she would work her three-day schedule and, and whatever. And I was kind of curious to see how that was going to work, you know, just with our family dynamics and just overall. And surprisingly, and, and again, he's 13 younger than, years younger than I am in his generation and in his people group and whatever, it doesn't seem as perceived as odd at all. And it's working out very well for them. And the, you know, he is, he's doing an outstanding job homeschooling his kids right now, so to speak. That's awesome. It's working for them. And so I do think it's really valuable to have those 
those conversations, especially when you have two professionals and you, you have to decide where, what does the family need? And it doesn't necessarily mean what gender that family, you know, should be doing what. I agree. I agree wholeheartedly. Absolutely. What would be one thing that people would be surprised to know about you? Ah, this, since we're on the topic of gender and this would be surprising to most people, unless they know that I am a control freak. (laughs) (laughs) That's a dental thing too, you know. Oh, totally. So this is what's so funny because I am so equal rights and I'm so, and I live with an amazing husband who is, again, is, is amazing. But when it comes to things in the home, I am incredibly traditional. So example, the only time that Dean and I fight is when he is taking over laundry, trying to cook with me or for me. I do not want that to happen. I think I really believe in, for me, not saying that this is for anybody else, but for my value system, I can do it all. And I'm the mom of this house. I am the household manager. I mean, I've had nannies and stuff in the past. All that's wonderful, but I am in charge. And so I think people would probably be very surprised to know. Absolutely. That that is the fight that goes on in my home is who put away these dishes. This is my job. (laughs) Gosh, half of us out there are saying, oh yeah, we give that up. No problem. I know. It, it's crazy, isn't it? It's crazy. That, oh, yeah. I mean, do you have to clean your own house, too? I will not hire cleaners. No. Oh, my God. Hands down. I know. My hat's off to you, but <laughs> I, you can't pay me enough to clean my house. I got so many other things I want to be doing. I can remember the first time I could finally afford to pay somebody to clean my house. I have been doing the happy, happy, joy, joy dance ever since. I still have the same cleaning woman. From the time my daughter was probably seven. Oh, wow. Yep. And she has been with me, done my office, did my home in Lexington, did my, does my condo in Boston, actually even drove to my house in Maine and cleaned there oh, for two years. Oh my goodness. I know. She's amazing. She's amazing. And she's part of my family. You know, I, I treat her like that. She's part of my family. And, you know, I, I would never, ever think about having anybody else do my house now because, you know, she is, she's part of my family. So I, I give you a lot of credit. That is something I could get rid of. No problem. <laughs> you want to put the dishes away, honey, go for it. <laughs> you want to take over the laundry? Okay, no problem. <laughs> it, it's really crazy because I am definitely a strategist when it comes to eliminating things that are just not necessary. And I teach our doctors to do that too. I order all my groceries online. I've been doing that for years. You know, I have a lot of other things that I do, but when it comes to the home, I don't, I find joy in it. I actually, I find joy in it, but it is, I think that again, to answer your question would surprise people to know that about me. (laughs) That's a good one. Have you ever had um, one of those aha moments when you realized you were doing exactly what you were meant to do in this lifetime? Yes. Any you want to share? Yeah, sure. I would be happy to share. So I always knew just growing up in the environment that I did too, being around people all the time, our house was across from the church. And so people would always come over for dinner and everything, always around people. I knew I was going to be in a people profession. I knew I'd be serving in some way. 
but I remember even being a hygiene student and just knowing I was made for more and made for more than that profession. Not that there's any dis shame or anything that's wrong with being a hygienist. It's an amazing career, but it wasn't for me. I knew I needed that background to do what I was designed to do though. So I could identify clinically and I, all those other types of things. And I remember early on in my career, having that aha moment, like, this is what it feels like to have selected a career that you feel so amazingly fulfilled with. And it feels so good because I've had the joy of clinically treating patients. I've had the joy of mentoring our new owners. I've had the joy of serving in a staffing company capacity mm-hmm. and speaking at dental conferences and all these different things. And I, I sometimes wonder, how did I get so darn lucky to pick this profession? Dentistry is amazing. I don't have any of my kids that have any interest in dentistry, but I'm like, you guys are missing out. And that's, that's an aha moment to just so many people are miserable in their careers. You rarely find dental people miserable. Most everybody loves this field. They pick it, they love it. Did you realize just at 19 that you wanted to go into dentistry or was it before then? No, it was really only at that time. So I was a communications major at University of Minnesota, came home over Christmas break and I was getting some shoes. And the salesman said, oh, what do you do? And I said, oh, I'm in college right now. I'm a communications major. And he goes, oh, that was my degree. And I just started crying. And I said, I said, I have to find a purpose. I have to find a purpose. And again, nothing wrong with selling shoes, nothing wrong with being a communications major. But it, for me, it felt like this is not a purpose. And so my mother said, well, you're great with people, Corey. You need to find a serving profession. And, and kind of, we did some observations and did some things like that. Therefore going to the dental office, expressing to Dr. Mortensen, maybe I might be interested in this and him giving me that shot. I was sitting there helping him with an oral surgery appointment the very first day. The office manager walked by and she said, we're gonna go to McDonald's. Do you want us to bring you back anything? And I, or I gave her my order and I remember him looking up through his glasses and he goes, you're going to do just fine. <laughs> Cause I could order, you know, while I'm suctioning for him. And I, I remember, I mean, I got paid $6 and 75 cents an hour. It was not a ton of money, but I fell in love that very first day and being able to serve people in that way. Dentistry is so relational. You know, that's why we have such a problem when people do leave or a hygienist or an associate leaves the practice. They think those are their patients because you do, you connect with these people and not, not a lot of professions have that ability to do that. No. And they're disconnected now more so than ever because of COVID from each other. And, you know, with teams being, you know, 99% remote and leaving cities and, and going you know, to the burbs and up to the mountains and anywhere outside of congestion, you know, it's a very different feel in, in downtowns in office buildings. So, you know, it, COVID has changed quite a bit. I think that it's a struggle too with the PPE that we have to wear because I, I feel that that connection is not there when you have barriers in front of your faces. And, and that to me makes it, it makes me so sad. It really does make me really sad because, you know, you want to have that eye connection and that, 
that human connection where where you know you're face to face with somebody well how many of these people do we hug too truthfully you know we've built these relationships for so many years that someone comes into the practice and they share really great news or really sad news we embrace them because they're a part of our dental family. We see them every three or four months sometimes or every, twice a year, whatever the relationship is. And we can't do that now. And that's really, that is hard. It's very sad. Yeah, it really is. I, I don't think that we have seen yet the emotional turmoil that this is going to have on us because it's going to go on much longer than we ever anticipated. I, I suspect that we're, we're not going to be out of the woods until June or July of next summer. So we still have a long ways to go, a really long ways to go. And I, I hope it goes by fast. And I hope the second wave isn't as bad as they're predicting, but certainly it, we know it's coming. So, you know, all, ha all hands on deck and, and batting down the hashtag, right? Right. I agree. I agree. Yeah. So tell me, do you live by a personal motto or a mantra day to day? Yes, definitely. So I have a couple, of course, I like to change them every day. And then we also have kind of that private group I mentioned this morning too. We do have a private Facebook group that's open to anybody. And I do share affirmations in that every day. So I do think that having that change in a mantra or a change in an affirmation is really valuable because our life is continually always evolving and continually changing. And so, um, you know, yesterday's affirmation that I posted for our group was I am full of boundless energy. I'm excited. You know, the possibilities are endless. And so I think when we put those thoughts in our brain or we understand, especially as women, that I am worthy, I am worthy to be here. I am worthy to be an owner. I am worthy to be this great employer. That, those are great mantras to have because it becomes, you know, just like not to be creepy about it, but the more you say something, the more you believe it and the more you see it come through and you can visualize it and it helps you be a great person and a great, great leader. And so those are some of the, the things that I like to do. I like it to change, but I do think it's valuable to um, have, I do always think of this phrase, um, there's always something bigger and better. And that just kind of lights my fire because I've been living by that for years. And when something maybe doesn't happen the way it's supposed to, and you feel like you've been slighted, I always say that to someone, hey, there's something bigger and better. You just weren't meant for that particular position or that particular relationship or anything right now, because there's something bigger and better. Well, the, the way I deal with that myself too, and something similar happened to me recently is I just say, well, I don't know what it is, but I know something's coming because that's my expectation that, that it, there is something bigger and better coming. And that was not the right fit for me. And I say, thank you. You know, thank you for not allowing me to get myself into that because obviously it would have close the door on something else that was wonderful. So yeah, I agree. I, I think that, um, you know, one of the things I wanted to bring up uh, that you had just talked about was thoughts. And I truly believe that, you know, our thoughts are so important. It, they have so much more energy than we give them credit for. And, you know, those thoughts of negativity that, that loop around in our head, if we don't get them under control, the only thing that's going to happen is going down that rabbit hole. 
you, we have to nip that right in the bud and just say, nope, I'm not going to go down the rabbit hole today and I'm going to move forward and, and just keep focused on whatever brings you light and love and happiness in, in your being. Yes. No, thank you for saying that. And to even add to that is surrounding yourself too, with people who want the same thing like that as well, because it's so easy in our small dental practices to let even just one person on the team bring their negativity in and really influence the group and regulate the mood of the group. And so I always, I want to take it even like a little bit further in that standpoint of, yes, it's great that I have this focus and I have this mindset, but then really being careful who's in my environment. How am I, you know, I'm going to be disciplined or I'm going to stay on the straight and narrow, but then I've got this person doing this in the background. Yeah. Not worth it. Not worth it. Totally. Totally. Do you have a secret dream or a guilty pleasure that you'd like to share with the audience? Oh, I don't know if I have anything secretive. I would say the thing that I really enjoy is I love to be out on the water. And so that's something that I try very hard to take vacations by the water or get out to my lake house when the weather is appropriate in the state of Wisconsin. Even if it's not, I still go out there. I went, I was out this morning real quick to look at it, at the leaves kind of falling and things like that too. But I would say that's my getaway place. That's my secret spot to kind of regroup a little bit and breathe. I have not had an office outside of my house for years. I came home years ago and have a, a home office now since I'm in dental practices. I don't need a physical office. So sometimes when you are in your home all the time, you need a, a secret place to kind of go away. And so it's about 20 minutes from my house and it is a, such a place of peace and we really enjoy, you know, if I'm not out there by myself, my husband and the kids, we just really enjoy being out there and, and relaxing. And, you know, we hosted, we've been secretly kind of hosting some dental guests out there just, you know, just to kind of give other people that peace too, and, and expose them to just some relaxation. Cause we're, you know, we're pretty stressed right now in dentistry with, with everything going on. So we need to find those outlets. You need to find a spot to just get away. Definitely. Absolutely. Well, I have thoroughly enjoyed our conversation today, Corey. Thank you so much. Thanks for, so much for being here. I really do appreciate it. And all the things, the wonderful things that you shared with our audience. Again, just tell them how to connect on your Facebook page, because I'm sure there's going to be some women that will want to do that. Yes, I would welcome that. We have a small private group called Change Navigators. And it is really only for people who want to grow in their emotional intelligence and grow in um, being in a group that's really active in sharing positivity. So it is a really small private group. Um, I'm the only person that kind of administers, you know, the <laughs> entrance on that. And I keep it small and private for a reason. And we would welcome anybody who would like to be a part of that as far as um, learning more about themselves and expressing maybe some goals they want to do in leadership and, and finding some friends in the group. Um, it's a really nice place to be. It's not specific to, to dentistry or females. It is, a, it is um, open to anybody, but I would say it is pretty um, female dominated though. <laughs> dominated though, but I do appreciate the time to, to just share with your audience. And um, I've really enjoyed our conversation too. Thank you. Oh, you're welcome. Thanks so much for being here. I appreciate it. 
Thank you so much for listening to the Women in Dentistry podcast with Dr. MJ Hanlon. If you like our show and want to know more about us, check out our website, thewomenindentistry.com, or please leave us a review on iTunes. Join us for our next episode as we bring you another amazing woman leading the way for the next generation. Thank you.